The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same. So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Last weekend I reflected with you about the the commandments of the Lord and how the commandments that God gives to us are not things to make our life miserable, but they are li- things to make our life holy. That they are, uh, as the uh, analogy was drawn, they are the bumpers that make sure that we, the bowling ball, get down to the other end of the alley and meet Christ. And so there's this, this call for us to recognize the goodness of the commandments. But today we hear something a little bit higher. Again, Jesus came to fulfill the law not to abolish it. So he brings it to its height of what it was called to be from the start. And so we hear these, this refrain this weekend almost. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. The temple of God which you are is holy. So be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Sometimes on the internet you'll see, especially in social media, after a, a particular article is posted, sometimes you'll see a comment that says, TLDR, too long, didn't read. It's a nice way of saying, I don't have time for this. That's not reasonable for me to sit down and read this whole thing. So I'm just going to let you know, I'm not doing it from the start. And sometimes when we hear the Lord speak to us and say, so be perfect, just as your heavenly father is perfect. Our response is oftentimes within us. Nobody can be perfect. So, why try? Why push? T-H-D-T. Too hard. Didn't try. We can let ourselves off the hook and content ourselves with being as we are. Because we can't be perfect, so we'll just be good. We content ourselves to just be good. But the Lord calls us always to seek higher. He calls us to the heights of holiness. But he recognizes also, just as in our humanity, we have to crawl before we walk and walk before we run. That same thing happens in the spiritual life. That we can't just go from our normal life of existence to being the heights of prayer and the heights of mystical experience like the great saints of the church experienced. We have to grow in our living out of the faith. 
Love of God and love of neighbor, which Christ calls us to specifically in the gospel today, is something that is a, effectively, it's a muscle. It's, it's, a, it's a habit that is formed and increases over time. It's not something, accepting miracles, that just changes in us instantly. So where do we start? The church has an answer, as she always does. If we're looking to see how do we let the love of God and love of neighbor grow in our heart, there is a guaranteed method. Guaranteed, 100% effective. That if you do these things, the love of God and the love of neighbor will grow in your heart and you will grow in the spiritual life. They're called the precepts of the church. The catechism describes the precepts of the church as being... Uh, The context of the moral life bound to and nourished by the liturgical life. So it's our love of God and our love of neighbor is nourished by our liturgical observance of the faith. So if we don't worship God properly, we can't experience and love God and love our neighbor properly is what it's effectively saying. The catechism continues and it says the obligatory character, obligatory character. I'll throw that in there. Of these positive laws just created by pastoral authorities is meant to guarantee to the faithful the very necessary minimum and the spirit of prayer and moral effort and the growth of love of God and of neighbor. To guarantee to the faithful that if you at least do this, the low bar, the bare, the bare minimum, if you at least do this, you will grow. So if you want to grow in your spiritual life, these are the five things that we can do to guarantee that it will take place in us. First, you shall attend Mass on Sundays and holy days of obligation and rest from servile labor. Sometimes the question is raised, is missing Mass immortal sin? Common, you know, a lot of people in the world will simply say, no, it's not a mortal sin. It's, it's just kind of, you know, if it happens, it happens. But the church continues to teach that this is grave matter, that it's important for us, indeed necessary for us, to attend Mass on Sundays and to allow this day, the Lord's Day, to be a day of rest, which is a challenge to us. This is the one that I think is kind of most commonly of, of the five. This is the one that's most commonly wrestled with because, as everyone knows, our world loves to be busy. It's the nature of things now. It's not even an option. It just happens. There's always things, and there's always opportunities for us to be able to set aside the Lord's Day, to set aside the time for Mass, to be able to go to do something else. And oftentimes it's good things, you know, it's, 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 not, like we're, it's not like we're skipping Mass to go, you know, to go dive into sin, typically, you know. We're doing it for reasonably good things. But also with the servile labor, it's a great temptation, I don't, and I don't exclude myself from this one, the temptation to work on Sundays Because Sunday is meant to be an opportunity for us, not just to encounter our Lord in the Eucharist, not to just encounter him and to worship him in the midst of this Christian community, but also to be able to spend time with him and to allow that relationship to grow in our own private life, our own personal prayer. Very often the temptation I experience is when I'm done with Mass, to wrap up, to clean up, to take care of what needs to get done, grab a bite to eat, and then go to the office. Because I know Monday's coming. And I know there are things that need to get done. 
And I know there's stuff that's out there that I, need, that I can check off. And Monday will be easier if I just work a little bit on Sunday. It's a great temptation for all of us, I think, to be able to fill this day with things. Gone are the days where I used to just, Sunday afternoon was, we'd go to church in the morning, and the afternoon we'd go to Granny's house, and we'd hang out at Granny's house. That was Sunday. And then you'd go home in the evening, and then you'd get your bag packed for Monday morning for school. That, was, that used to be our norm in so many ways. And in some places it still is, thanks be to God. But largely, that's gone. And a great sadness. And the Lord says, if you, if you would like to have spiritual life, reclaim that gift. Reclaim that gift of time for the Lord and time spent together with your family. The first precept. The second precept, you shall confess your sins at least once a year. I'm pretty sure the church disordered these in a way in which people wrestle with them. So first, trying to get to Sunday Mass. That's the most common one. Second, confessing your sins at least once a year. We know there's a lot, of, you know, a lot of things that can happen within our heart. And sometimes, even if we don't have mortal sin, the church says, still go. Make a point at least once a year to be able to allow the Lord to cleanse your soul. Not just for the forgiveness of sins, but also because it is a sacrament that gives grace and continues the work of baptism in us to convert us fully to Christ. It nourishes our soul even more. There are times of people of other, of other Christian faiths where they maybe what's often described as backsliding. You know, we're, we're not moving forward, we're sliding back into our old self, our old sins, right? And so there's a temptation in, 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 in a common practice in many Christian communities to be able to seek baptism again when you want to rededicate yourself, rededicate your life to Jesus. As Catholics, we don't have rebaptism. You know what we have? Confession. We don't dive into a tank of water. We simply say, Father, here's what happened. And the Lord gives the grace. One time each year, Mother Church calls us to be able to make use of the sacrament of reconciliation. To allow the Lord to forgive us of our sins, but also to receive his grace. To let baptism's call to conversion continue to echo within our hearts. The third precept You shall receive the sacrament of the Eucharist at least during the Easter season. There was a temptation years ago, and some of you may still recall a time, when if you didn't go to confession right before Mass, you weren't worthy to receive communion. There was a time where people were so adamant and so clear on this understanding of be perfect just as your Heavenly Father is perfect, that they would say, well, okay, well, I know I'm not perfect because none of us is perfect, right? That's the the common phrase. I'm not perfect, therefore I shouldn't receive communion because I'm not, I'm not able to receive. I'm not worthy of receiving. And the devil loves this tactic. <laughs> if you have mortal sin in your soul, don't receive communion. But if you don't have mortal sin in your soul, even when you're wrestling with that, even when you, when you feel like you're unworthy, Mother Church bids you come and to receive his grace. Receive the gift of the Eucharist. Because that, too, is another source of grace, a sacrament that gives life to your soul. So we receive the Eucharist, at least during the Easter season of the year. The fourth precept, to observe the the days of fasting and abstinence established by the church. Now, we know during the season, we have the two days of fasting, Easter, not Easter, we don't fast in Easter, come on now, Uh, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, the two days of year that we are called to fast. And the fast is 
relatively gentle. Uh, we don't ask much. One, one normal meal, two small meals that don't equal the size of the regular meal. So you still get three meals that day. That's not really even fasting, y'all. I mean, let's be honest. So we have this, this call to fasting, you know, two days a year. And during the Lenten season, we're, uh, we're required to abstain from meat on Fridays. So no meat on Fridays during the Lenten season. But also the church law still mandates that every Friday of the year we're called to do penance. Not just during Lent. Some of y'all may remember when you were younger, every Friday was a meatless Friday. That still holds. It's still true. We just don't talk about it very often. And when we talk about it, we, it's not always heard. And it's not always received. Every single Friday is still a meatless Friday. In the U.S., the, the, the norm is that if you're not abstaining from meat, you substitute another penance. You can offer a rosary, you can offer a divine mercy chapel, you can pray some extra prayers, spend some time in the chapel, fast from your phone, fast from TV, fast from something else, abstain from something else. But every single Friday is supposed to be, for us Catholics, a day of some little sacrifice to give something of ourselves to Jesus, to unite ourselves to Jesus, to make, a, to, to make our love cost a little bit. Right? Today in the gospel, Jesus says, if they, if, they, if they call you to go for one mile, go for two. <laughs> If they ask for your cloak, give them your tunic as well. Go, you know, they're calling for something. Go a little harder, a little farther. And so the Lord calls us, you know, to be able to make these little sacrifices and little offerings throughout the year. So this is the fourth, fourth precept that will give life to observe, observe the days of fasting and abstinence. And the fifth one is to provide for the needs of the church. Now, certainly that means in part, you know, donating to the church, you know, your tithes, your collections that we pass through. It supports the local church, but also supports the larger church. And we have the various second collections for the missions or Peter's Pence or, you know, for, for these kinds of special needs that are taking place. And so that's part of it. But also it's, it's to recognize that we're called to give not just of, of our finances, but to give of ourselves, to give for the mission of the church. And that happens in a whole variety of ways. It happens in doing liturgical ministries. It happens in being in the Catholic Daughters of the Knights of Columbus or the Bereavement Committee, the Altar Society. It happens in being a catechist or helping with, with, with Bible study or any, any number of, of things that, that are opportunities to be able to help continue and to further the mission of Jesus in our local church. And so I mentioned that one explicitly and, and, and those details explicitly because sometimes we think that's, that's just us doing kind of what we need to do. But, you know, what we need to do to take care of our chapel or it's just kind of it's part, of the, part of the thing. We're part of the club. We're part of the group, etc. But to remind you that, that in doing those things, those are instruments of God's grace. Those are, those are means by which if you're vacuuming the floor in the center aisle of the church, God's giving you grace for it. If you're reading at Mass, God's going to give you grace for it. If you're doing something to support the church in whatever, in whatever way, God is filling your life with his grace. And to recognize that, to be mindful of that, that these are not just kind of human things, but in giving, the Lord gives to us. So these wonderful gifts that the Lord gives to us. So again, God calls us to holiness. He calls us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. But we can't be perfect right from the start. We need his help day by day, little by little. And if you're looking to be able to grow, here's the map. To be able to keep these precepts, to attend Mass on Sundays and to keep Holy Days, uh, keep holy days as well, um, and to, to, 
refrain from servile labor, confess your sins at least once a year, receive communion at least once a year, usually during the Easter season, abstain or to observe the days of fasting and abstinence to provide for the needs of the church. And if you want to know a great time to do that, Lent. Because Lent is the embodiment of these five precepts. Because what do we focus on during the Lenten season? Repent from your sins. Prayer, fasting, almsgiving. That's Lent, right there. Those four things. Repent, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Now, let's hear those precepts again. Prayer. Ah, I heard that one. Attend Mass on Sundays. Receive the sacrament of the Eucharist. Fasting. Ah, I heard that one. Observe the days of fasting and abstinence. Prayer, prayer, right? Fasting, almsgiving. You shall provide for the needs of the church. And what's that last one? Repentance. Confess your sins once a year. Mother Church is inviting us, all of us, to enter into the Lenten season. And if we take Lent seriously, it will, guaranteed, help us. So it's a call for us to allow the love of God to increase within our hearts. And in doing so, to be able to learn also to love our neighbor. To keep the precepts of the church. To turn from sin. To fast. To pray. To give alms. And if you're doing all of these things already, God be praised. The simple fact is, if we're doing them at the, as, a, as a basic starting point, we will grow. Guaranteed. Again, if you want to grow more, or if you're already doing them, do them more regularly. You go to Mass on Sundays? Good. See if you can make a weekday Mass. We have Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have 7 o'clock Mass. Tuesday, Thursday, we have 5 o'clock in the evening Mass. Try to make one if you can, especially during Lent. You already give alms? Okay, maybe there's a, a particular talent that, that can be used for the continued building up of the body of Christ. You fast, you pray, offer a little more. Spend a little more time with our Lord. You go to confession at least once a year? Come every six months. Every four months, every two months, every one month. Come every week. You want to go crazy? Go to confession every week. You want to see your spiritual life transform crazy quick? Go to confession weekly. God's grace will pour into you like that Mississippi River is flowing on down the, <laughs> down, down the banks there. The Lord will fill you with his grace. And so the Lord is calling us to holiness, but he knows we have to start somewhere. And thanks be to God for his gift of telling us where to start and assuring us that if we are faithful to him in these things, that he will be faithful to us here and in the life to come.